You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. glad to be here today and pick up where where we left off on our road through the Bible. We're going through the Bible, 66 books. We are at book number 54. Anybody tell me where that that is? 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. This is a mile post 54. Verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, the man, the, the, between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. One mediator, the most important verse in that that book of the Bible is that this Jesus became the mediator, the one man to stand between God and men. Muhammad is not that man. No Buddha can be that man. David Koresh was not that man. The Khomeini's were not the man. Donald Trump is not that man. Jesus is that man. Amen. Speaking of Donald Trump, Ann and I went to the White House one time. We got to see some things not everybody gets to see because we had a friend in the White House. We, had, we were friends with a friend of a friend. You know what that means? Yes. We didn't know the guy at all. That's what it means. <laughs> Carl Rove's insurance man from Central Texas was also Roxanne Alexander's insurance man. And he got us in because Carl Rowe knew him. And we knew Roxanne who knew him. And you see the, see the connection. We get to do things that not everybody gets to do. Right. We did get to see the Oval Office, but there was one thing we could not do. It would not let us go into the Situation Room. I wasn't in the Situation Room. I wanted to see it. I wanted to go in there and you know, stick my gum on the, the table or something, you know, just to say I'd been there. They, uh, they wouldn't let us go in there. We walked by that door two or three times. We walked by that door. I said, you can't go in there. I said, why can't I go in there? Now I, want to go. I didn't want to go in there, but now I've got to go in there. You can't go in there, Dr. Holler. Why? Because it's a situation room. I've I got situations. I've I got lots of situations I could talk about. No, you can't go in there. Why? Because you don't have a security clearance. You know what that means? All that means is, I'm not well known by them. I'm not known well enough to get in there. And if they did know me, they would let me in there, but they didn't know me. They know I'm a good guy. I never never even robbed a bank or anything like that. (laughs) Never held anybody hostage except Miss Ann. (laughs) 
She kind of liked it, though. <laughs> I feel like a stinker today. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that. I got tickled. It's a, it's a situation. They wouldn't let me see the situation room because I didn't have that kind of clearance and because the guy I knew didn't have that kind of clout. He was not a mediator for all men. Jesus gave you entrance into the greatest situation room of all time of the universe. Where life and death decisions, eternal life decisions are made. He is the one mediator between God and men, the man. Not the God, the man. Not the God, the man, Christ Jesus. God could not be a mediator between God and men. God had to become a man to make a mediation between us and God. Because what Jesus did, he could not do in heaven. He had to do it here on earth. He had to come here because only men have authority on earth. God turned the authority of the earth over to man. And when man committed high treason and turned his authority over to the devil, he lost his power to rule. Jesus could not restore that from heaven. He had to restore it here as a Man, I don't know if it charges you up, but it charges me up to think this. Brother Larry, I'm not a man here just trying to reach God. I'm a man here with a man sitting at the right hand of God. I'm a man with a man. May not give you, may not give you any help today, but you don't, it's because you don't understand how significant that is. Significant that is. There's a man at the right hand of Almighty God. That means you can get in. That means your petitions get in. Glory right. to God. Right. It means what you say, God hears it in a different way now. He hears Jesus say it for you. Amen. Amen. Even if you fumble around like I do sometimes, you fumble around with, with words, He says them right to God because yeah. He knows the language of God. He speaks what God wants to hear. He, he knows what God needs to hear from you. Sometimes you just say, oh, you can say, I heard about one guy who was a drug addict. He'd hit bottom he was laying in a ditch in a, in a, in a, near a curb with his face down in the, in the sewer water running down the street. He'd, he'd thrown up on himself. And he was about to die. He just cried out, Help me! He was talking to the Lord. He didn't say in Jesus' name. He didn't say Father. He just said, Help me! Next thing he knows, two guys had him by the arms picking him up. Picking him up. Never saw them again. Took him into a street mission. He got saved, got help, got right with God. He tried to describe these guys that helped him to the mission. They said, we've never seen him before in our lives. Who were they? He said, I don't know. They're great big strong guys. Brought me to you. They saved my life. Just help me. Jesus heard those words, apparently and turn them into a language that angels could understand and come and help that guy. He can help you where you are because he's on your side. He is on your side. Tell two people, Jesus is on your side today. Jesus is on your side today.
Listen to this. Would you put up Acts 22, starting with verse 8? Acts 22, verse 8. Put that up on there for me. This is the Apostle Paul. said, And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? He's telling his story about the road to Damascus. You remember what happened to him on that road? I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I am Jesus of Nazareth. Now, you know what? You ever been to Nazareth? It's an armpit. It's not a, it's not a great place. I've been there. It's a pretty big town, but there's not much there. And they, they heard a lot of bad things came out of Nazareth back 2,000 years ago when they heard Jesus was of Nazareth. They said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This is their thinking about the town. Not much there. Not anything good there. Why would Jesus pick that? He could have said, I'm Jesus born in Bethlehem. Six miles from, four miles from Jerusalem. He could have said, I'm Jesus of the city of David. He could have said, I'm Jesus of Zion. I'm, I'm, I'm spending a lot of my life in Jerusalem. He could have said, I'm going to die in Jerusalem, so I'm Jesus of Jerusalem. I'm Jesus of glory, he could have said, because all that would have been true. Why did he pick this town to identify? Where is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus when he says this? He is in heaven. He could have rightly said, I'm, I'm Jesus of glory, but he didn't say that. From heaven, he still identifies him as the man raised in the dusty town Nazareth. I am Jesus of Nazareth. You know why that is? Because he's every man's man. He's every man's mediator. He's for you. He's for those who are from the good place, those from the bad place. How many, anybody here raised from the wrong side of the tracks? Amen. They used to call us Thackerville thugs. <laughs> I'm from Thackerville. You know where that is over in Love County? Everybody knows where Thackerville is now because you all go through the casino there. I know. I'm just kidding. A lot of people know about Thackerville because of the Windstar Casino. But it used to not be that. It used to be a watermelon patch where they raised cows and watermelons. And I'm a Thackerville thug, they said in Gainesville, in Marietta. Thackerville thug. But Jesus came for Thackerville thugs. He came for Durant dummies. Thackerville thugs, Durant dummies. He came for you. And he lives for you at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Amen. Still calling himself Jesus of Nazareth. Say it with your own mouth. He is Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. He belongs at the right hand of the Father, and you belong here. He's there mediating for you. When you go to heaven, you won't need him to mediate for you there. You'll be in. You need him there now while you're here. And so it's good that you're here because this is where you belong. You wouldn't be here if you didn't belong here. God has you here for a reason. He has him there for a reason. Okay, you understand? I was told a story about a, by, by a cop one time. 
He said that I was called to a woman's house who had gone shopping to, to the grocery store, a little old lady who lived by herself. When she came home from, from shopping, grocery shopping, it had gotten dark. And her front door was standing open a little bit. She saw the door open. She thought somebody must be in her house. So she called the cops, said, come out here real quick. She went over to the neighbor's house. She said, come out here real quick. Somebody's in my house. They got out there and questioned her out front, out on the sidewalk in front of the house. They said, are you sure somebody's in the house? Yeah, I know somebody must be in the house because I always lock my door. I always lock that front door. I always do. So the cop said, stay here. I heard him tell this story. He said, stay here and we'll go in. Me and my partner will go in and flush him out. So they went in in her behalf. Went in up the sidewalk. It's dark by now. Got the flashlights on. They're creeping around the house real, real quiet-like, you know, trying not to disturb anything, trying to find the, the bad guy in the house. Looking behind the corners, behind the chairs, every, every place. They, they stop for a little bit, can't hear a thing. All of a sudden, Granny outside thinks, what if they go in there and they flush him out the back? And that he can't get out the backyard. He'll have to come around the side fence. He comes out here and gets me. So she deduces that she'd be safer with them in the house, with her mediators in the house. So she tiptoes up there real quiet, like she knows everything about that house. She can see it. She, she can see it. You know, see it in her mind because she's been there so long. Tiptoes real quiet, like gets up to the cop and taps him on the shoulder. The first time he notices she's there is when he t she taps him on the shoulder. Turns around and whacks her with his flashlight. <laughs> Whack, right in the head. Cut her little head open, had to call an ambulance out there, knocked her out. <laughs> Cut her head open, had to, had to go call the ambulance out there and take her to the hospital. There was nobody in the house, nothing disturbed, nothing missing. What had happened was she didn't shut the front door when she left. She thought she'd be better off with him instead of staying where he put her. You're where you belong because God put you here. You don't need to go be with Jesus. You need, he needs you to be here doing His work. He's there for you. That's good enough for now. That's good enough for now. Stay with the program. Stay with what you've been taught. Use your life to, 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 to do something for this new year. Let's make a resolution. I resolve, I resolve not, to live not to live as a victim this year, but to, but to remember Jesus is at the right hand of the Father for me. Amen. My post, my post 55. 2 Timothy 3.16. How many of you believe that John 3.16 is true? Yeah. 2 Timothy 3.16 is just as true. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The scriptures themselves are inspired. It does not say the men who wrote them are, were inspired, although I believe they were. But this says 
the scriptures themselves are inspiration from God. The scriptures, that means that God breathed. God breathed them out. God breathed out the scriptures. Now, the use of Old Testament scriptures, it says right there, he's talking about the, he's talking about the Old Testament scriptures by and large when he says that, the, the profitable. Look what they're profitable for. For doctrine, reproof, and correction, and instruction in righteousness. Notice it did not say instruction on how to be righteous. The Old Testament will never make you righteous. Scriptures themselves being God-breathed, but the use of them, you have to be careful because people misinterpret the Word of God all the time. The use of the Old Testament Scriptures for doctrine and for rebuke, for correction, is valid. Even for instruction in righteousness, but not, not for to gain righteousness. Now this does not mean that every word in the Bible is a mandate our precept, our principle. Not every word in the Bible is a precept to live by. Did you know, did you know that? Yeah. Because it quotes the devil a lot of the times. Yeah. It quotes the devil. It quotes stupid people. <laughs> Job's friends. Yeah. Dummies. Yeah. Idiots. Yeah. Buffoons. I asked a guy one time, he said, wasn't the Bible just written by men? I said, okay, so it was. I just played along with him. I said, but it's three, this Bible is, is uh, between two and 3,000 years old. 3,000 to 3,500 years old, really. I said, uh, whose book do you believe? Well, I believe science. I said, you have to believe science? You believe science, no other book? Let me ask you something. Did you believe the science books that were written 20 years ago or the ones that are written now? Because they've all been changed. They've been updated. Is it, was it truth then? If it had to be updated now? No, it couldn't be. Truth never changes. Facts change all the time. Whose book do you believe? He said, what are you talking about? I said, you, 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 you learned to say that from somebody's book. I just choose to believe the book doesn't, that never, never needs updating. The Bible needs no update. Never needs to be updated. It's the Word of God. And I'm not talking about the English Bible. I mean, you know, I heard about one woman who came to her pastor because he'd been t telling them that Jesus spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, and maybe Greek. That's all. She took, her, she took her Bible up to him. She said, I don't believe that, Pastor. I believe Jesus spoke English. She said, he said, well, ma'am, you're going to have to prove that to me. She got her Bible out. She said, right here, right, right here in red, it's in English. Jesus said that. <laughs> God so loved the world. That's, that's, that's Jesus' name. Well, that's good. It's a, little, it's a little thin theologically, but the thought that he speaks your language is a good thought. He speaks your language and is the God for you. The word for you. Every precept is not a principle. Every word spoken in the Bible is not a precept or a principle. But you're going to have to believe somebody's book. 
I want the one that does not need constant updating. There have been, plus, besides all the, uh, the uh, idiots that are quoted in the Bible, there have been lots of tragic misinterpretations and misrepresentations of the book. Lots of them. Let me show you one. Let me ask you, who in here can define what a Cretan is? What is a Cretan? What's a Cretan? You hear somebody call somebody a Cretan? Well, you Cretan. What are they saying? Cretan. Defiled. Buffoon. Ugly. Mean. Base. Cretans are just bad people. In our vocabulary. You know what that comes from? Comes from a misinterpretation of the Bible. Listen to me, I'm going to show you. This is fascinating. Look at Titus 1.9. This is not, not our next mile post, but we'll get to Titus eventually. It's Titus 1.9, we're going to read a significant, significant passage here. It says, Holding fast the faithful word, meaning the word of God, as he hath been taught, that he may be able to by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, the Jews. What are they? Unruly, vain talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, the Jewish rabbis and such. We're talking about, listen to this, whose mouths must be stopped, Paul says, who subvert whole houses Teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. They do it for money. Now listen to this. One of them themselves, even a prophet of their own. Who? The, cir the circumcision. The Jewish, Jewish prophets, one of their own, said the Christians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Slow bellies. He said there's a lying prophet that said that. A lying Jewish prophet who said that about them. About the Christians. And this is verse 13. Paul says this witness is true. This is the line that's misunderstood. Paul is saying, I heard it for myself. I witnessed them saying this and it's true. He's not saying what the guy said is true. He's saying, my witness about this is true. Are you hearing me? Yeah. I witnessed it. It's true. He said, wherefore, rebuke them. Not rebuke the Christians. Rebuke these, these idiot prophets. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith. Not giving heed to what? Jewish fables. He's still talking about them. And commandments of men that turn from the truth unto the pure all things are pure. Who's the pure? That's you and I. That's the Christians. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. When you're defiled by the law, nothing is pure. Everything is a sin. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and, and unto every good work reprobate. Listen to me. In God's mind, the Christians were good people. His people. 
Yet another unfortunate misinterpretation of the Word of God. A Cretan is a good person who lives on an island in Crete called Crete. A Cretan is nothing but a Gentile like you and me. The Jews created that farce and the Bible has been misrepresented by theologians for centuries. And bad people are called Cretans. You hearing me? I'm a Cretan, glory to God. Glad to be one. Let's make a resolution. I resolve to use the word this year to grow my faith. Because I know all things are possible to me when I believe. Let's say it again. I resolve to use the word this year to grow my faith. Because I know all things are possible to me when I believe. Amen. Glory to God. Anybody have anything you need to, you need to overcome this year? Every hand ought to be up. You got something you're working on. Mile post 56. We'll finish with this. You getting anything out of this today? I hope you are. Mile post 56, Titus 2 11. Titus 2 11. I'm going to read about four verses around it just to give you some context. But I want to read verse 11 first. For the grace of God that, ha that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Listen to me. If you don't like the idea of grace being preached for salvation, you can't have salvation. There's no such thing as salvation without, without grace. You cannot earn this salvation. If you can lose it by disobedience, then that's how you have to get it. You cannot get it one way and keep it another way. God brought it to us by grace when we weren't even caring. We sang a song this morning. It was awesome. Hard to believe, but I did it when I was still in sin. What's this, what are those words? Grace said again. Grace, how can it be? Grace, how can it be that in my sin? Yes, even then. He shed his blood for even me. Glory to God. Let's back up and read the context here. Titus 2 9 says, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not talking back, not purloining, which means embezzlement, but showing all good fidelity. That means faith. The word fidelity there is faith, pistis that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, listen to this, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace did not come to teach you how to sin. Grace did not come to teach you how to live loose, grace came to make you fall in love with God. Yeah. Yeah. So faithfulness comes out of love instead of fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're still afraid of going to hell, 
You need to get saved. You need to get saved. And the love of God then will make you want to obey Him. Grace makes you obedient. Amen. Glory to God. Teaching us, it teaches us that denying ungodliness. Let's say it together. I resolve this year to let grace work in me for godly living. I resolve this year to let grace work in me for godly living. Let's, let, raise your hands. Stand, stand to your feet, would you? Let's raise our hands and say that to God. I'm going to go back through all these resolutions, all three of them. We're going to say them to God. We're not making a promise we can't keep, we're making a resolution. We're going to say it to God today. I resolve to live not no longer as a victim this year, but to remember Jesus is at your right hand for me. Amen. Glory to God. Now we're going to say this one. Got to get to it. Sorry. I resolve to use the word this year to grow my faith because I know all things are possible to me when I believe. Amen. Glory to God. Now let's do this one. I resolve this year to let grace work in me for godly living. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.